And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I'm Tony Clement. And we are set for another barn burner of an episode. Yeah. Can you say barn burner? Is that a word that we're allowed to say? I I, I don't know. That's a good question. It, it sounds pretty violent, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm just I feel like I feel like some lefty out there has tied like something to it and has tried to cancel that word, but I'm, I'm just be, not aware. Could be colonialist of you. <laughs> By the way, do I, 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 is this a thing? I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, obviously we see email signatures that have the, you know, the he, him, she, her, all that stuff. I mean, I'm, we're, we're used to that. Yeah. But I had heard that there is, and I haven't seen it personally, but someone told me about this, but there have been email signatures that, that make mention of the colonialist um, situation or that they, that they recognize that they were part of this or whatever. And like, it's actually part of their email signature, like their professional business email signature. That they're on occupied land. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know if it's like, I mean, I don't think it's the declaration. Like, you know how you, you know, before council meetings, before whatever they make that declaration, land acknowledgement. I don't think it's to that extent. It's literally something where they kind of like recognize themselves as a non-settler or or, sorry, um, a non-indigenous person or something like that. Right. It's very interesting. I've seen that on Twitter slash X a little bit here and there, but uh, no, I hadn't seen that in terms of, uh, correspondence, but it wouldn't surprise me that there are some people who wish to uh, acknowledge that in their in their own way. Um, you know, I'm an immigrant to this country. I don't, you know, I guess you could say that I have gained some advantage by whatever institutions exist in Canada, but, you know, that's a, that's a long way that's a long way of saying it's a long it's far from saying that I'm in some privileged position that's how I feel anyway but uh you know my my family had to work hard as immigrants to to make a life for themselves a new life for themselves here so i mean okay i guess i'm a settler but i guess we're all settlers from that point of view yeah no it's an interesting there's always there's always something although i will say this and i would i would love your thoughts on this well you know, we're kind of kicking the show off with this and we're going to get to our sponsors in a, in a second. But the pendulum in terms of political correctness or wokeness, as some people like to call it, you know, it, it had swung pretty far to an extreme point, I would say, yeah. in the last couple of years. There's no question. But I feel and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a shift where the pendulum is kind of it's kind of coming back the other way now. Yeah. Do, do you get that sense at all? Yeah, some others have noted that uh, that their their contention is that peak woke was about a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, I feel like we're coming down the other side now. Yeah, I hope so. I I mean, I I think you know, I'm I'm more for a a more nuanced and balanced approach to these things. I think uh, you know, we we should acknowledge uh, people 
who, uh, you know, uh, have different points of view than our, our own, but this whole cancel, it's the cancel culture, Jody, that really got to me that, uh, you know, that if you were of a, of a color of a white color of skin, or if you were a, a white male, all of a sudden you didn't have the opportunity to have a point of view, you know, or that it was somehow white supremacist or, or what have you. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's coming down the other end. I've noticed there was an article I read uh, which indicated that there's a more balanced view of Edgerton Ryerson than there was a couple of years ago when they when they toppled the statue in Toronto and uh, uh, changed the name of Ryerson University. Uh, so there's a apparently there's a bunch of schools and streets throughout Ontario that are still named Ryerson. Uh, you know, so maybe that indicates something. Yeah, and plus, there's there's many schools that are still named Sir John A. Macdonald, right? Are there? I get, I mean, yes. Okay. We have one in Belleville still called Sir John A. Macdonald. Now, there was a move, and it did. It was successful. They removed a statue of Sir John A. in Picton. Yeah. It's called Holding Court. I don't know. Well, you would rem- you would remember that. I think you I were there that, that night. They yeah, Ruth Abernathy de- dedicated that statue. Or she was the sculptor, and yeah, you were there that night with Steve Pakin and and, and everybody. I think that yeah. was where was that at Roy at uh, Royal York? Or? I think it was at the Royal York. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That was uh, that was in 2014, I believe. Wow, what a so, what a but time anyway. Trip. But yes, yeah. there are still. You're right. There are still uh, different items, streets, buildings, whatever, named after these um, individuals who were labeled as. Um, not needed. I guess I don't know what you well, label. And, them as, and you know, they're not looking at the actual historical record. Like uh, Edgerton Ryerson's name has been besmirched when he died twenty years before the first residential school was, uh, you know, even created. And um, Henry Dundas, uh, they want to rename Dundas Street in Toronto. And Hen- Henry Dundas, as a British politician, was actually against slavery. So, but all you know, they and and the guy who was running the campaign to change the name acknowledged as much and said, "Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, he was against slavery, but he's white, so I don't like him." Was basically his argument. It's like, Man. really? Well, nothing surprises me anymore. And of course, we can't forget Chuck Skydome. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. But they they changed his name for Roger Center. They did. They did. <laughs> this show each week is brought to you by Municipal Solutions. John Mutton and the team have been our presenting sponsor since day one. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine doing this show without the support of John and their crew. And Tony, I know you can expand a little bit about what they do. And then I know we have a couple other great sponsors as well. Sure, we do. And uh, absolutely, you're you're quite accurate there, Jody. Uh, John Mutton and the gang have been our presenting sponsors since we had presenting sponsors. You know, we did a few shows without sponsors at the beginning, but uh, they signed on very early and they are Ontario's leading MZO firm. They are great uh, for uh, development services, project management, development approvals, permit expediting, even planning services with municipalities. They do a lot of work with municipalities, Jody, and uh, that includes engineering and architectural services and even things like minor variances and land severances. So go to municipalsolutions.ca for all your municipal needs. 
And then, uh, of course, we want to acknowledge our terrestrial radio uh, supporter and sponsor. That's Hunters Bay Radio. Uh, you can find them at huntersbayradio.com or 88.7 FM in Muskoka. Every Saturday morning, they have a whole suite of podcasts that they rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, including this very program. So that's great of them to do that. Another sponsor we want to acknowledge is the, the Harris Legacy, the book, The Harris Legacy, Reflections on a Transformational Premier. You can order it today at theharrislegacy.ca. The book is in print now. It is available. It's being available in bookstores, but obviously it's available through online ordering as well. I'm actually going, Jody, to one of the book launches uh, tomorrow uh, for this book. And uh, there's a whole... I think on December 2nd, there's a, the Conserv- Conservative Leadership Foundation is doing a whole day with the authors uh, to talk about the book. So it's, it's getting out there. It's uh, basically a series of essays, and the contributors include David Frum, Jack Mintz, uh, Gord Miller, the former Environment Commissioner, David Hurley, uh, and more. And it's edited by Alistair Campbell. He's been on the program a few weeks ago. So go to the HarrisLegacy.ca to order your book now just in time for Christmas. And if you enjoy this show, Jody, and I know you do and I do, uh, we think you'll love the podcast Not Reserving Judgment from our friends at the Canadian Constitution Foundation, which is a charity dedicated to a freer Canada. Uh, in each episode, hosts Josh DeHaas, Joanna Barron, and Christine Van Gyne update you on the latest legal news, tell you about legal stories that you might have missed, and give their bad legal takes of the week, where they take a lighthearted look at legal opinions that didn't quite land. Not Reserving Judgment isn't just for lawyers. It's a show for all Canadians who care about their rights and freedoms. The hosts aren't afraid for controversial topics, including they've tackled residential school denialism, uh, constitutional reforms in Israel, proposals to require parental consent for childhood, gender transition, find Not Reserving Judgment wherever else you get your podcasts, Download the latest episode today and uh, just uh, obviously want to make the point that uh, two of those three individuals, Joanna and Christine, were on our program uh, to talk about their latest book, Pandemic Panic. Uh, uh, so sad you weren't there for that one, Jodes, but uh, it's now on the bestseller list uh, in Canada. So it's doing really, really well. I'm very excited for them. We choose truth over facts. <laughs> we do. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe, for piping in there. Thank you, Joe. So sleepy. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here for our next topic, Tony. And I don't think that I don't think you've ever weighed in on this okay. this topic. But I wanted to address something that's I think is is a big issue within Canada, um, definitely in Ontario and definitely in in communities uh, throughout Ontario. And that's the topic of of homelessness. It's a mm. it's a big thing. And I, and I will say this. And I'm, I'll share a little bit about my connection to um, homelessness and then some work that I've done. But I will say this. I think this topic, not I think, this topic always seems to ramp up as soon as we start to approach the colder months each yeah. year, right? Yeah. So it's it's like I, I always think to myself, like, like, like we, we should not be surprised when cold weather arrives, in Canada, or you know what I mean? Like, we know when it's coming. No. Yeah. So anyway, it's just like saying, like, oh, my gosh, Christmas is on December 25th again this year. You know, like, it's uh, it's not a surprise. So anyway, 
um, basically Coles Notes version. In 2007, I was part of a small group that opened up a men's shelter here in Belleville, literally just opened the doors on a building, uh, felt to, to do something about the issue. And we started to welcome men, didn't get any permits from the city, didn't get any zoning, just literally opened the doors. And it wasn't too long before the city was cracking down on us. But when I, in, in those years, I was a little bit more brazen and it was kind of like, yeah, well, come and shut us down. I'd love to have a front page story of the city kicking homeless people out of a building, right? They were trying to help them. So anyway, that, that, that went through for, for um, about half a year. Uh, it was more of like a pilot project. And then in 2015, I was part of a group that uh, started the visioning process in terms of opening an, a, an actual emergency, emergency shelter. And in 2019, we opened a 21-bed shelter called the Grace Inn, which I know you're familiar with. Yes. And in 2021, we actually opened up a subsequent building called Shiloh House, which is a six-bed transition house for men um, that are in a much better position to get back on their feet and get back into society and and um, you know just giving hope back to people and sure and, and we've been, we've seen a lot of great things. So I say all that to say that I do have you know a, a little bit of a background in terms of of working with the homeless population and and what it takes to to tackle some of these these things. And, and I will, I, I also proudly say this and I'm not bragging, I'm saying it cause I'm very proud of it. We, we opened our 21 bed shelter with literally little to zero. I, I would say very minimal, um, money from the government. In fact, I don't think we used any government money to get that building open. It was all privately funded. And then obviously with operations and stuff, um, the County of Hastings saw what we were doing. They recognized the value and they they actually said like you know what what can we do to help assist because you know we're we're helping the community exactly so we we do we do receive funding now through the province and the feds but that building it was a it was close to a million dollar project back in I think we started in 2018 um, but anyway it was a a big project and I'm proud to say it was no no public dollars it was literally privately funded um, public in the sense of government funding to get right, it open. Right. But uh, yeah, so I just want to say that. But I, I'd be interested in knowing because again, you've these issues aren't any surprise to you with your government background, with your your you know your advocacy work that you do, and um, I know you've come across things like this in your in your past. So, like, what what do you see as a solution for this? Because it's definitely getting worse. There's no yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Or is and there it, a solution? <laughs> I mean, it, and it's so connected to the addictions and mental wellness issues, right? Uh, yes, in a lot of 100%, cases, not, not all of it, but uh, some of it's socioeconomic as well. But uh, you know, there, there's definitely other things going on in a person's life if you're if you're homeless, and so we've got to tackle we've got to tackle it from multiple fronts. Like, uh, you know, if you if you just build more shelters, nothing wrong with shelters, don't get me wrong, but if you build more shelters, but a person is feeling paranoid about going into the shelter, yeah. they're not, they're not going to go in. And, right. and, and, uh, th that, that could have mental wellness connection connotations, or it could have addictions connotations. And, you know, these tent cities that are popping up in our urban downtowns, uh, they don't help people because the addictions are actually fueled uh, in those environments. And so, uh, yeah, we, we really do have to have a multifaceted approach to this. I'd like to get actually uh, a friend of mine who moved to Newfoundland and Labrador, I think he's in St. John's, uh, Lee Bercy. He's a big 
a homelessness advocate. Uh, he, he, I think he lived in Brockville or somewhere. And then okay. Newfoundland. We should get him on the show because he's he's really passionate about these things, and he's he's won all sorts of awards for his his work too. I think the two of you would really get along. But no, that that's the way that I I see it anyway. That uh, you, you have to tackle the the mental health issues and the addictions issues too. Now, what do you make of? There seems to be a discussion that's going on about. Um, the return of institutionalization in terms of, and again, you probably know more about this. This was a little bit before my time when I think, was it the province that kind of closed those down or there was Bill Davis's government back in the seventies. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about like, can you, as much as you are able to share, but I noticed this, like I've listened to a lot of pundits talk about this the issue of homelessness and a lot of them come back to the idea of we need to get these institutions back up and running um i think i don't think it's a bad idea i think and i think most would agree with this this next part is that the i'm sure the cost would be just outrageous to do this right yeah i don't know i mean at the time i mean uh i know where people were coming from at the time which was that these institution places were not ideal and they were just sort of a way where you would warehouse people and not deal with their addictions or other mental wellness issues, right? Uh, so they they closed them down. Uh, it wasn't even a cost issue. It was just a, like a philosophical point of view that these were not working. So the idea was to have community health uh, and access to community services while you transition these people away from institutions and into other housing. The only problem being that second part really wasn't done very well, if at all, right? So you close down the bricks and mortar, and then these people were kind of cast adrift. And uh, they weren't, I know there was some attention, but not really enough to deal with the issues. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, as you said, a multi pronged approach that is required. And, it's um yeah it's definitely not easy but yeah let's uh let's set up that your friend there i'd love to have a yeah i think you guys would really hit it off i and 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 uh you're coming at it kind of from the same direction but 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 you know he's he's just been really involved and i think even when he moved to st john's he can he has continued to be involved in that so it'd be interesting to get a a different provincial perspective so we'll we'll, we'll set that up Shifting gears, and I don't mean this to to be rude or sarcastic, but is is the war? Is there still a war in Ukraine? <laughs> yes, I think there is. No, because honestly, I don't hear nothing about it. And as as we're talking, I'm thinking, you know, that's a topic that you you know was a big topic, but I literally like I hear nothing about it anymore. Yeah, the, the U.S. sent their defense secretary Lloyd Austin to Kiev uh, like a couple days ago. Just to to reinforce the point that we're standing by Ukraine, nothing has changed, you know, and all this because like it just been totally dropped from the news. There was a um, uh, and Russia, you know, Putin's not a, an idiot. So as soon as the Israel Hamas stuff was going on, he ratcheted up his attacks on Ukraine because he knew that no one was paying attention. Uh, and um, so yeah, it's still. Still going on. It's a war of attrition now, Jody. And another topic, Tony, that we can probably talk 
ad nauseum on, and that's the issue of affordability, um, the financial picture. Of course, I think it was you know just recently, uh, within the last day or so, by the time this show comes out, that Christian Freeland gave a, a fiscal update, and we could talk about that. But you know, I was talking to a friend of mine today, and there's been a couple um, a couple interesting items that have come out um, recently about some of the future economic uh, issues that are going to affect this country. One of them being, and I, and I, I'm kind of paraphrasing and I might have the stat a little bit wrong, but one of them being that 40% of mortgages, Mm. I believe, I don't know if it's Canada or Ontario, you might know, uh, come due next year. Right. Second thing is um, we all know during COVID that the hospitality industry was affected uh, greatly. And Huge. there was there was tons of support given by the by the feds and the province as well. But uh, in December, although I think they got an extension on this, but, but in December, a lot of these loans are coming due. Yeah, the seed loan. Real- yeah. yeah, and the reality is is that I don't know if you're aware of this, but the number of host the percentage of ho- of restaurants that have declared bankruptcy year over year since 2022 has gone up 116 percent. Wow. So, you know, that's just two things. So I, I'd be interested in getting your thoughts because, you know, you've got all those mortgages coming due next year and you've got restaurants. I'm just using that as one exit because it's a very clear example of of what's going on out there. But like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like, we haven't, I don't think we've seen, I don't think we've seen the the peak of this um, tidal wave, if you will. No, no. And, and the ability of the federal government to deal with these things, I, I know they have their fall economic statement. They put a bit more money into their housing, um, uh, their housing initiatives and so on. But Jody, because of all these deficits of the past, including during the COVID, uh, the COVID, uh, lockdowns, our debt servicing charges as a country have doubled in, since 2021. So um, so th- what that means is that when you're spending $46.5 billion on debt servicing charges just from the federal government, it means you're not spending it on defense, you're not spending it on housing, you're not spending it on health or any of these other things. And uh, in fact, I think that... Um, Ottawa will spend $29 billion on the Canadian Armed Forces this fiscal year, and they're spending $46.5 billion on debt services. Yeah. Just to give you an idea. So, so, you know, this, uh, this fall economic statement, there is not, they're not doing a whole lot because they don't have the, the fiscal room anymore. And, uh, uh, the, the, you know, meanwhile, it's all the overhang, not all, because uh, Trudeau was running deficits before uh, COVID happened, but they really ratcheted up during COVID and uh, they haven't run a surplus since they got elected almost uh, nine years ago. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I mean, I'm assuming that the left would, you know, kind of or the liberal supporters would point to the, you know, well, what, what would you do in a pandemic? We didn't know that was coming. Right. And no, no, sure, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But let's also be honest. And some will say with what I'm about to say, that's just classic conservative messaging. But like, you know, in 2015, I can remember being at many events where 
at the time Prime Minister Harper was, and like he literally predicted exactly how this was going to unfold under a liberal government. And right, right. So they, you know, we we as a result, quite frankly, of some of the work that I did at Treasury, uh, we did balance the budget. We had to look hard at over six hundred and fifty government programs, and when they where they were non essential, we made some reductions, we made some cuts. Uh, and then we got to a balanced budget in 2015, and then Trudeau ran. He ran on modest deficits of 10 billion a year, and he won the election. So he then he ran deficits of 20, 30, and 40 billion a year before we even got to COVID. And uh, this year it's 40 billion, and uh, so it really hasn't gone to a more fiscally. A situation where you can manage your your fiscal situation, and and people should realize it has all these knockdown effects. It means taxes are higher. It means uh, there are fewer jobs. It means when you're spending that much money, the Bank of Canada has to keep interest rates higher for a longer period of time, which affects those mortgages you mentioned, Jody. So it's not one of these isolated things. Government spending doesn't affect; it affects everything. It affects inflation, affects cost of living, uh, you name it, it affects it. So this is uh, we're on a we're on a fiscal cliff right now. I, I've actually just written an article uh, that I, I'm hoping to be published fairly soon on this very topic because it's uh, it's quite alarming. And you know, MP Ryan Williams. I don't know if you saw his private members' bill uh, recently about uh, opening up the banks. Uh, in terms of competition, had you seen that? No, no. Tell me yeah, about that. So, well, he's putting it forth where basically there are some there are some other countries that do this that you know it just it's instead of having a, a the banks having a monopoly on the country in terms of like our options, um, opening it up to you know different lenders and and competitors that would make it more competitive for the consumer. And I can tell you firsthand because our mortgage is is coming up next month. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I like, I'm not going to name where my, where my mortgage is, but I don't get, I don't get the warm and fuzzies, like as if they really are interested or I shouldn't say care, but it's like, they don't seem to energize to try and keep my business, which to me is frustrating because deep down, it's like, I want to shop this around and I have shopped it around, but I, I, you know, I want to go where I can get the best rate, but it's like, I'm also going, but I know the hassle of moving my you know, the mortgage over because it, it is annoying because yeah. it's, it's just, it's very annoying. And I think banks know that, right. Like it's, it's kind of frustrating. So no, I okay. think if there was more options, more competition, better for the consumer as MP Williams uh, is putting forth, I think that would be a great thing. I would like to see that. And I would like to see more competition when it comes to our telecoms industry too, since you're mentioning that. And speaking of the lack of competition, it's a great segue <laughs> into the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, course, what? what? What are you going to say about my Raiders? Well, didn't they lose? Yeah, speaking they of? lost. Yeah, yeah, they lost. Yeah, they, they lost to the they, fish. They were riding a little bit of a high there with their new coach. Right. And then, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think, but Garopp, Garoppolo's out, right? He's he's gone. Yeah, he's yeah. Who's who's their quarterback now? Oh, Is it O'Connell remember. or something like that? O'Connell, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, who? And I, yeah, I, I like him. He's he's good. He's he's got a you know he's kind of got poise. But anyway, they lost to Miami. Um, but the you know their record is to, it's five and six now I think. But your Browns, congratulations! They're doing what are they seven and two or something like that? Seven and three, bud. Like they're just 
they're just machines right now. Although we're coming up against a juggernaut, the Denver Broncos have turned it around all of a sudden. So yeah, yeah, it's an interesting season, isn't it? Like it's it, very it, bizarre. A lot of parody. Yeah, um, can't predict a lot. Can't predict like, a lot. Other than other than looks like the Eagles, Eagles. are very good. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, it's like you know, with the exception of with the exception of Carolina. Literally any team can win. Although, although, I think the Bengals are in big trouble. They're Joe Burrow's out for the season. Yeah. Um, our quarterback's out for the season, but we happen to have the best defense in the NFL, so that helps the Browns. Yeah. But outside of that, like, there's a, I, I, any any given Sunday, right? That's what they say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, did you watch any of the Grey Cup, sir? I'm going to be honest. I don't really follow <laughs> the CFL, okay? okay? But I did. The only reason being was because I wanted to see Green Day. Yeah, you want to see the Green Day show. Yeah, I yeah, thought that was a great. Like when yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I knew they were coming. I was like, man, that's a great pickup for the for CFL, like the halftime show, Great Cup. Because I'm like, I got to watch this. Yeah, and they were. Uh, I think Green Day was excited to be there, so uh, they they put a, they put something into it, and and it was. Hey, listen, it was a great finish. I got to say, this is not unusual for the CFL to see last minute touchdowns determine the result. But uh, the Montreal Alouettes last minute, last second or ten second touchdown, and and they uh, they sunk the Blue Bombers. So congratulations to the Alouettes. Yeah, and I just I just can't stand three down football. I just ugh. I know it's just so chaotic, isn't it? Yeah, it's just I I don't know. It's like. Probably because I don't watch it a lot, and maybe I'd get used to it. But I just, I just find it so like not even close to the NFL, like not even close. Mm. I always joked because I just find like the CFL is like what was what was the joke I always had? I remember doing this when I was on air sometimes, and I'd ride CFL fans. Is like you got points for the stupidest things. Like if you came out with your uniform on properly, you know, you, you your team would get a point, right? Like it seems like, you know, you can get a point for like almost anything, like kick it close to the uprights. That's a point, right? Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you the last time I was at a CFL game. I'll be honest with you too. So. You know, who loves the CFL though is Steve Pakin. He does. Well, he loves his tiger cats. Yeah. Yes. Oski wee wee. So yeah. And exactly. I know that, uh, he listened to the last show. Yes. And, uh, you know, he had a great post. I, You would be able to comment better than me on this, but he wrote a wonderful post today or yesterday, I guess, by the time this show comes out, about his mother Yeah, uh, who, who recently passed away. Passed and away. I tell you, he um, – I, I barely know Steve. You know Steve way more than I do and 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 whatever, and I barely know him. We joke around and, and had some fun with emails and on the show. But the guy is – the way he wrote – did you end up reading that? That post no, because it's on Facebook, and I don't. Okay. I don't yeah, you got it. Yeah, I should. I should get to find a way to send it to you, or whatever. Because the guy, the way he wrote it, is just like. First of all, you could just t- you could just tell the authentic. The guy is Steve Pakin is just the most authentic, genuine guy in terms of his kindness and caring, and you can just sense it. I just read that, and I was like, "Holy smokes!" Like this guy loved his mom, right? Yeah. Like it was just no question about it. And I'm not. I'm not saying that to pump them up or anything like that. And, and, but it's just like, I was just blown away and you just, I just, I, I, that's 
you know, I've always, I've always been trying to put my finger on what it is about him because he just, I'm just like, this can't be, this guy cannot be this genuine, but he is, he's just like, yeah, a, he you know, it's, it's, so I, we wish him all the best. I know it's, yeah, I know it's a tough time. Uh, Marnie, yeah. uh, Marnie Pakin, I did know his mom, uh, Marnie Pakin, uh, because when I was a, a, a student at the University of Toronto, she was the chair of governing council, which ran ran the university, and uh, I got to know her a little bit that way. But she she was like, uh, I think she was on the Atomic Energy Board and did did all oh, all sorts the of accolades, stuff. the accolades, the achievements, the awards, the boards. I, I read through again that post, and I can tell you that uh, it does not surprise me the the depths of of steve's um awareness intelligence uh his you know the his ability to grasp things mm -hmm. he absolutely comes by it honestly because it, there's no question it was instilled in him uh by his family and and, obviously and you, were, you were interested to know that uh, they were uh, one of their close family friends is marty short too yeah because he posted a picture of uh i guess one of the first phone calls they received was uh, or his dad received was from from martin short and i i just it's just yeah I mean, yeah. uh, it's just, yeah. So it was, just, it was just, again, we wish them all the best. And it's, uh, it was just, if you have an opportunity, read that post. Cause it was, it was, it was very well done. Yeah. No, just like I, everything he does, exactly. everything he does is well done. Well done. And uh, he did a, he did a creditable job for his, the memory of his mother and, and good for him for doing so. So, uh, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to get together with him, uh, you know, when the dust settles a little bit. But, but he is also wanting to come on the program, so we'll get that set up. We've got Tim Hudak coming on uh, soon as well, the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association. He's agreed to come on. Uh, so we, we've got some great guests uh, to, uh, to entertain and inform our lovely audience. And I was thinking that we could get the new uh, Minister of Labor uh, for Ontario, David Piccini, Yes, um, he should come on, and maybe he could read some of uh, some recent job postings. Or let some <laughs> read some what's job. Exactly. Let's let people know what's out there and available. Yeah, sure, you exactly. Know, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> I'm David Pacini, and here's your your on air job fair. He should do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't see him do. I I will get. Actually, we got to. Yes, we got to get him on the show. Yeah, sure. We you, we will get, make that happen. Our dear audience, don't worry. We're working on it full time. <laughs> anyway that's uh we'll wrap that wrap it up there uh, as always um people can share their thoughts and comments through our platforms spotify seems to be the best one in terms of yes, giving please. us feedback and uh but you can catch us everywhere um a lot of we have a lot of people to listen on itunes and apple and uh, i will say this and we talked about this the google platform for podcast is actually moving to youtube i believe at the beginning of next year interesting is that correct yeah. yeah, you knew you knew that, right? I did knew that. I did know that. Yeah, yeah did knew that. <laughs> I did knew that. Google, yeah. Google, Google podcast. I, I didn't well, know that. I did. Will cease to exist, but uh, it's uh, yeah. So anyway, and we do we do appreciate the support, and I got to give a shout out to uh, Mike Stiff. If he listened all the way to this point of the program, I'm very impressed. And Mike, you text me and let me know that you actually listened to this far in the show. Nice. So that's how I'll. That's how I'll know. Is there okay. anyone you want to say hi to, Tony? Uh, no, I, I know we, we appreciate all the feedback. So just keep keep it coming, and, and uh, you know we're we're doing this, and we 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 love doing it, and we love our audience. 
As always, thanks to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions for their continued support presenting this show each week. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. And of course, uh, we've got a couple of these newer sponsors, the harrislegacy.ca to order your book on the Harris Legacy Reflections on a Transformational Premier, and then Not Reserving Judgment Podcast. You can find that wherever you consume your podcasts. And again, thanks to Hunters Bay Radio dot com for replaying our show every saturday morning all right tony we'll do this again in seven days enjoy the rest of your week you too